0: Hello, this is the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast, where we talk about all things related to mobility. I'm Jeff Cranston. Today, in honor of Earth Day, I'm taking a look at how transportation agencies follow environmental protection policies. MDOT and other transportation agencies around the country pay very close attention to the National Environmental Policy Act, known as NEPA, and it's worth noting that the act was adopted by Congress in 1969 And not even one year later, Joni Mitchell released Big Yellow Taxi. My guest today is Margaret Berendus, who manages MDOT's environmental section and brings a very informed and thoughtful approach to these issues. So, Margaret, thank you for being here and tell me how you balance paving paradise and mobility, if not putting up parking lots
1: so um in a lot of ways i look at my career at mdot in the environment as a translator and a navigator of environmental laws for our engineering staff and um you know they're great just working with the engineers is wonderful because they are get it done people they want to build things they want to go out there and make things better for Michigan citizens and make their mobility better so you know how could you ask for more you're working with a pretty well intentioned crowd there Um, but often my job is to say now let's just slow down a minute and talk talk it through and my other part of my job is to explain the context for what they're doing so where is your project located are there people who live near it are there people who might be affected by the work that you're going to be doing and the changes that you're going to be making are you in an area with lots of natural resources could you be affecting an endangered species sometimes we have to do extra studies to find out answers to those questions and you know it's hard sometimes to put the brakes on all of this momentum that we've got but it's not it's it's a worthwhile effort because what you end up with is a project that is better than it was before it truly is an effort to balance environmental impacts with transportation needs and I feel like we've had so many success stories over the years where um, we did sort of slow down a little bit and take our time to listen to experts on particular resources to communities that felt that there needed to be change with the transportation facility in their neighborhood Um, we've really taken our time to learn how to be better neighbors to both the natural and the um, populated environment, the cities that our projects go through.
0: So you you hit on the inherent conflict in this and a former journalism colleague of mine used to say, everybody looks in the mirror and sees an environmentalist. You know, we all like to think that we do our part, but everybody also likes their 20 minute commute to always be 20 minutes. So when you talk about the engineers and how you know they are worried about mobility and the things that they get the most complaints about and making sure that projects can be done as timely as as possible with the least inconvenience as possible, uh, it can be it can be pretty tough sometimes to balance that with when you find out that a, a stream is going to be disrupted or an endangered species, wildlife, or plant can be disrupted. Um, so you, you mentioned you know, some of the successes, what, what would you talk about as, as some highlights in recent years?
1: Well, some of my favorite projects have been um, in urban areas where we had problems that we needed to solve. Um, we have very old infrastructure in Michigan um, because of our transportation history with automobile manufacturing. We were really early out of the gate building the interstate system. And even before the interstate system, we were building freeway types of roads. So we were a world leader um, in design and trying new things um, before the Interstate Highway Act was passed. And so what we're looking at often in urban areas is some very old design, which really doesn't fit anymore um, what's happening in that community. So some of the best projects are projects like the I-94 mega project in Detroit, where, we were able to really listen to what the community was telling us about the freeway and how it divided their neighborhoods. And so, there we took the bridges and the pedestrian overpasses, and we're converting all of them into complete streets facilities, which will feel like a neighborhood street when you cross it, less like I'm out on a big, little, or a little rope bridge over the freeway. Um, of course we don't have rope bridges but some of those pedestrian overpasses are pretty pretty intimidating and people don't use them often don't use them so what we're doing there I think it's been very rewarding with respect to um, responding to what we heard from the people who live there in the city of Detroit and trying to provide better community connectivity well,
0: so that's a- That's a good example because it's not, you know, what people think of first when they think of the environment, they're thinking of the physical environment and waterways and, you know, endangered species, and you're talking about kind of the social impact and social justice impact.
1: You're right, Jeff. A lot of people don't understand that NEPA, the National Environmental Policy Act, doesn't just apply to um, what we call, we call them the bugs and bunnies. Um, and the plants that are out there. It also applies to communities and to people, to economic impacts. So we're looking at all aspects of the environment, the human environment in addition to the natural one.
0: Yeah, so when you think of uh, that, that success, that's a, that's a good one, We responded to the community. And I think another one in recent years would be um, the I-75 corridor in Monroe County and the conservation action plan, which you uh, helped author and worked very hard on. I mean, would, would you count that as a success?
1: That's a great project for the environment. Um, the freeway is very close to Lake Erie, which is a very important ecological resource for a lot of people, not just in Michigan, but outside of Michigan. And we were able to put together a conservation plan for the whole 20 mile corridor. Of the freeway that's going to be rebuilt. And so as each project comes up, we know what we need to do for the natural resources are there. And you know, a lot of people drive on a freeway like that and say, what natural resources? Well, it's kind of an amazing place because the freeway is sort of a, a preserve for prairie-like plants. So there's been there's an abundance of rare plants in that area. And we've been able to partner with Sterling State Park to move some of those plants to their prairie restoration area because of the corridor conservation plan that we did on I-75. So that's just one example of, of several um, related to that particular project. And yeah, I think that is a success for the environment.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's, let's also, while we're touching on that, talk about some of the, uh, some things you probably don't want to revisit, some controversies over the years, like the, uh, the turtle fence on US 31 in Grand Haven. What's your, what's your memory of that episode?
1: Oh, boy, the turtle fence. Yeah, um, you know, sometimes we do things that a community supports, um, and the turtle fence was a fence that we put in to block turtles from crossing US 31. Now, Turtles in this area were abundant, and we actually did a survey to find out how many turtles had been killed over the course of a year trying to cross this road, and it was pretty appalling, the results of the survey. And, you know, this is also a human safety issue, too, because some of these turtles are quite large, and you really don't want to hit one of them with your vehicle.
0: Well, that's right. People swerve, you know, and, and things can happen. And that's, yeah, that's often forgotten by the people who demagogue these issues that uh, that there is a human component. So I'm, I'm glad you pointed that out.
1: Absolutely. So um, this became a high priority for us to try to mitigate, to try to do something to stop it. So we installed a fence and the fence basically, um, the turtles would follow the fence to a culvert that went under the road and they were able to get to the other side. By using that culvert, and so it was a really great project ecologically, and also I thought a good safety project, and it was relatively low cost. But you know, the the hit we took there was: it's not pavement, it's not a bridge, um, it's for the turtles. Well, you know, it's about balance, and. This was a very serious situation for both people and turtles. And we were able to come up with a low cost solution that um, basically fixed the problem.
0: Yeah, and it's not like we're the only DOT wrestling with such things.
1: No, all of us do in transportation. And I think so many people take for granted the roads and bridges that they're on with respect to, this is just part of my daily routine. I, I use this every day. This has always been here. It's a great thing. I'm glad I have it, but but it's just part of the background. And I think your transportation system is so much more than that. Um, your right of way. It, we're the second largest property owner in the state of Michigan. You know, we have a lot of stewardship for that property that goes on. For safety, there's so many different purposes that right-of-way is used for. We use it for pollinator species, for example. A right-of-way is a great place for prairie plants and pollinator plants to grow to help the farmers with the bee population problem. So, um, you know, there's a lot more to your transportation system than you might think.
0: Yeah, so you know, speaking of that, we've done some uh, some good things along those lines in in the Bay Region. Can you talk about some of those?
1: So, with the pollinators in the Bay Region, they've done something that I think has really caught people's eye, um, and that is with the sunflower plantings that they've done within the medians of some of the freeways up in their region. And um, it's it's not only good for the bees, but it's really an aesthetic. Improvement, I think, for people who, um, you know, can be kind of monotonous driving down a freeway through rural areas and there's something for you to see there that's quite beautiful. So I think that is a great example of, again, a low cost, easy to implement thing that benefits people and the natural environment.
0: I think that, uh, you know, those, those things, those success stories and the things we've discovered along the way are, are so important and especially when you bring up, uh, you know, the human element and what some western provinces in Canada have done and some western states now in the, in the U.S. have done with creating um, very effective wildlife crossings, you know, tunnels underneath freeways and the animals, you know, find their way and learn to use them and that that obviously isn't just about protecting the life of the animals, That's that's really important to the safety of people traveling on those freeways.
1: That is true. Absolutely true. And we have done some of those projects too, where we put up fencing to channel wildlife. I think I mentioned in the turtle fence example, it's all about channeling the wildlife to a safe place. So there's no conflict between what the people are doing on the road with their vehicles and the animals. And so it is good for both of us.
0: So, talk a little bit about. I think one of the one of the species that um, we hear a lot about, and our friends at the DNR talk about, is the eastern massasagua rattlesnake. A lot of people don't even know there's a venomous snake in Michigan, and saying it that way sounds a lot more ominous than it is, because we know it's a very shy creature who would just as soon avoid people. But um, have have we had some success in in our efforts with the snake?
1: Absolutely. Um, We have a wildlife ecologist who works at MDOT who has been working for a number of years on ways to protect the snake, especially during construction activities. Um, Like a lot of snakes, they like to sun themselves. And so if there's a wooded area, for example, um, near their habitat, then they may be sunning themselves on the roadside. And we don't wanna get in their way when they're doing that because they are an endangered species. And so um, we have put up fencing on construction projects and it'll be what we call the soil erosion fence. It's the short black fence that you see um, on MDOT projects all the time. And it's really to keep soil from eroding into the natural water system, but we've also used it to keep snakes out of our construction zones. So um, we've also looked at habitat and maybe providing some opportunities for snakes to get from uh, one side of the road to the other by putting up fencing that directs them in a certain way. We've also on I-75 in Monroe County, it's not the rattlesnake, it's a different snake, but we've put up a curb that they can get up on to escape the freeway. Because if the curb is something they can't climb up on, then they're stuck on the freeway. So, and often the snakes will be near bridges because the bridges are over water and that tends to be a habitat place for wildlife. So, we've used spe- special curbs that the snakes can crawl up on. And, and that's and,
0: proven to know, be effective?
1: It is. It's a good thing for the snakes. Yeah. We've seen snakes that. Um, dead snakes we found during surveys uh, right on the curbside. So, um, you know, they're vulnerable out there and they need to be able to have an escape route. So again, yeah, simple, simple solutions, but it takes somebody who has the training to understand what the snake is doing and where it's going and what its habits are to help not engineers come up with solutions like that.
0: So what's informed your you're thinking about this I mean you've gained knowledge over the years doing this um, it should go without explanation but to a lot of people you know it's it's probably like um, okay maybe turtles I get that because you know we all like turtles but snakes like so what you know nobody likes snakes and and you know how, how did you come to explain to others and you know just advocate for an entire ecosystem you know that it's not about creatures that you like and the creatures you don't like they're all part of the the ecosystem and we need them all
1: it's about diversity and um that's a a concept that's really critical to understanding environmental protection and we need diversity as a human species in the natural world for a variety of reasons um you know again we need bees to help us with our food sources. We need as many different kinds of bees as we can get. Um, So diversity is important with respect to pollinators. And I think a lot of people are familiar with the monarch butterfly situation out there and that they're in trouble. So we need that diversity. We are um, part of that ecosystem and we can be a pretty heavy handed part of the ecosystem. You know, we get our way, most of the time. And I think with greater understanding about the need for diversity and that you need predators, you need prey, you need different kinds of plants, there are different habitats, um, there are benefits out there for people as well in preserving that diversity.
0: Yeah, well then, said. You know, well said. I think that, I mean, that's right. We've, As humans, we've got the intelligence and the power to be heavy-handed, as you say, but with that intelligence also you know, means uh, an obligation and an understanding of what all these things mean in a way that other species obviously, you know, wouldn't be able to control. So I think that's that's a really good point. What else would you want to say about your work, your section's work and your very dedicated group uh, that, that shows tremendous patience <laughs> working with all of the various factions on all these things? Um, you know, I guess, what would you want people to know that you think they might not?
1: I think one, one thing is that, yeah, we're a Department of Transportation, but um, we're much more than just about roads and bridges. We're about protecting the environment. We're about making communities better, um, looking for input from people, from experts on how we can do a better job in making mobility um, projects happen in ways that seek balance with the environment. So, um, you know, a lot of people don't know that we have an archaeologist, we have a couple historians, we have ecologists, biologists, I have a botanist who helps us do these things. So, we have diversity within our own area within MDOT. And our, one of our missions is constant education and outreach so our engineers can understand the world in which the transportation network exists and that it's pretty complicated out there, but we are working on answers with the engineers to try to make that balance happen between environment and mobility.
0: And so what you heard often um, in, in recent years, especially um, out of Washington, you know, was we've got to expedite these projects, you know, we've got to be able to cut through the red tape and one person's red tape is another person's, you know, environmental protection. So what, what's your answer to that? Um, and, and in terms of protecting NEPA, I mean, there's a whole website out there about protecting NEPA because uh, there's a group of people that feel that it's under assault. So how, how would you answer the, the idea that, that it, it all just creates delays that slow progress and, you know, hurt business development?
1: I think sometimes that you have to look at how are you defining progress? And what does that mean? Is progress simply business, business development? That's certainly part of progress. But I think progress is also protecting the animals and the plants that in the future could hold secrets to help us with our own problems, who are performing functions we don't even understand they're performing. Do you wanna be the last, the person who says goodbye to the last rattlesnake, to the last bee? Um, No, I think if we sit back and we consider our world as a whole, that there's room for the environment, and for economic development.
0: Well, that's very well said. I appreciate you taking the time to do this, and I hope you have an enjoyable Earth Day, and we will have to talk about this again sometime.
1: Well, thank you, Jeff. I've really enjoyed our talk today.
0: Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast. I would like to thank Randy Dubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.